not be the total truth. No, 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 no. See the way society is built today, like a trap. It's built in a way that keeps you in the dark. Trapped. Cause if your light shines through, you might figure out who and what you are. A magnificent being. Don't be scared of that. Do not be scared. That's why I'm here to help you remember. Great morning, great evening, good afternoon, depending where you're at on this beautiful planet or this amazing universe. I am Mark Anthony Sanchez. Welcome to another episode of Brown and Spiritual AF, where me and Isela Garcia, we go into these topics that really surround spirituality, how we were brought up in modern society, right? Today we have our first guest. His name is Boo Boo Garcia, right? And this guy just kind of just jumped into our lives some random way, right? That's how the universe does shit, guys. You know what I mean? He just sends you people and then you got to be aware enough to recognize and say, wait, I might want to talk to this fellow a little bit. Right. And boom, here he is on our today's podcast. Amisela, what do you have to say today before we get started? I am super excited about having Boo Boo with us. Um, actually, I think what happened is he found us in our Arizona Enlightenment Center. We have a um, how did you find us? Actually, I mean, I know you you came to our session once or twice. Um, we have a monthly, um, uh, it's a book study basically of A Course of Love and Boo came once or twice and, but how did you find us? I looked online. I looked up a uh, spiritual community, spiritual something, Googled it and I found you guys. So I'm grateful. So he joined our group and, um, I was just really enthralled by just the, the little that you shared and thought, um, you know, this journey for all of us, I think there's, in particular in this lifetime that we are experiencing right now, you know, we do have influences of culture. We do have influences of how we are raised. And that was my whole idea when, when we, Mark and I came together to create this podcast is that we wanted to come from that lens. And so I think you have so much to offer. Um, and so much to contribute in terms of your experiences um, in sharing with others. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Boo Boo. Uh, well, I was born and raised in, oh, actually, I was born in Harbor City, California, and I was, I was raised in San Pedro, California, which is next door. I, I call it, they call it the ghetto by the sea, right by Long Beach, ah. the docks, the heart of Los Angeles. Um, but, uh, you know, a little bit about me is I, I grew up and, and had two parents that were gang members. And um, so that's pretty much all I've seen throughout my life. And I thought that was normal life, normal living was being a, a part of the gang world and doing things that, you know, they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what were some of the experiences that you had? um growing up like what what are your memories well you know when people say like where are your greatest memories <laughs> what are your greatest memories because it, it's not i think when people hear gangs there were some things but there are also other things that were not so horrible um you know that may have been about relationships or maybe i don't know you know everyone's experience is different so when um what are some of those what are your memories of that experience well um you know uh I rose, I didn't join a gang because I wanted to be a burglar or a bad guy or, you know, robbing people and, and being just some crazy thug. I, I joined a gang because I felt like there was something missing and I wanted camaraderie. I wanted to feel family and feel loved. And I didn't know that until later, but um, there's a lot of good qualities. I mean, it, we're human beings, you know, and connection. And, and uh, we're not just so stupid uh, characters that are being portrayed in Hollywood, like we're illiterate and don't speak correctly and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What is correctly, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Before the motherfuckers got here, we spoke in vibrations and then they gave us this <laughs> stupid language that we can't even, doesn't even sound like you spell it. <laughs> and what were, what experiences do you think um, were most significant as you think back? Because I just kind of want to paint the picture of your, you know, your early experiences. Well, you know, um, our environment, our early childhood, the first several years or whatever, our environment shapes our brain. Mm -hmm. So learning that these experiences, seeing my mother sleeping with other men um, while my dad's in prison and my dad, you know, he was shot five times in two different occasions, stabbed in the face. He had a, literally had a scar like Scarface and teardrop and uh, just seeing the party life and uh, just the stuff that comes with that stuff um, affected me in so many different levels that I wasn't aware of. And I was unconscious for a very long time until I had my spiritual awakening. But, um, Let's talk about that. I want to know, because I think for some people, there are folks that will probably listen to this who will have an understanding of what it means to be unconscious and going through life unconsciously. Can you share more about like what that actually means and what, what it meant for you growing up in um, where you did, with, with who you did? Well, Carl Jung says there's no coming to consciousness without pain. And I woke up, I was in so much pain, November 14, 2009. I even remember the day. And I woke up, uh, but it was through all that pain and suffering. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh, the spiritual teacher, or the Buddhist, will ta teach that without the mud, there's no lotus flower. And I finally started to bloom and blossom through all that pain um, and, and immense suffering. Everything that gave me that sense of self was stripped away. Mm -hmm. And once that, all that stuff was gone, I was naked, you know, uh, mentally and spiritually, you know, um, naked. And I ran out of ideas and I was able to surrender to a new levels of consciousness so that's kind of like the dark night of the soul mm -hmm. yeah and what was the pain where was the pain from what was like the, was it the culmination of your experiences or was there like a tipping point for you well you know i think uh i just ran out of options uh ran out no more doors were open uh everything was locked and i found myself alone and the pain is I lost everything that gave me a sense of self. I lost my family. I left all the loved ones, my relationships, personal relationships. I went from being the cool guy everyone wanted to hang out with to the guy they don't want to be around anymore because, you know, I, I become very violent and hurt people, hurt people. I was hurting a lot of people and I was hurting myself. So let's talk about that because some folks have not ever heard that, that statement, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for folks to hear that because, you know, it, it doesn't just so happen. Usually, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, people who are hurting others is because they themselves are hurting. And we dismiss that. And I mean, I can go into our educational system. I can go into <laughs> how we approach even supporting, um, you know, someone's growth and learning throughout the course of their lifetime we punish instead of having an understanding of that folks who hurt people are hurting um so you were saying that you had lost everything what was that journey to there like how what what were you doing so that people turned away from you well um i didn't know i was lost for a very long time i lost myself a long time ago when i was a little boy you know, suffering through my traumas. You know, the trauma in Greek, the word uh, meaning means wound. 
you know, suffering from these wounds and I didn't know how to deal with them. You know, my dad used to beat me when I was a kid. He used to make me go to my, my bedroom if I did something wrong, be in my boxer underwear. And if I wasn't in my boxer underwear, he's going to sock me until I get into my boxer underwear and he will whip me with that vacuum cord. You know, and I have those well, and I remember thinking as a young little boy, when I get older, I'm going to kill this man. I'm going to hurt him, you know, so, um, and, and I experienced a lot of stuff, you know, my mom, you know, um, my dad leaving us, uh, that abandonment issues and my, my mom sleeping with other men. I'm thinking she's going to leave me and my family. And, you know, they say science, they'll tell you that our kids are narcissists. You know, we take everything personally. And I remember thinking as a young boy, if I would have been a better son, more lovable, my dad would have stayed with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember having that same feeling about my mom. I used to like it, there was, and then there was this weird guilt because my mom was the one who was abusive to me, and so there was this weird guilt I had because I'm supposed to love her and I'm supposed like she's supposed to take care of me, and it's like you're you're wanting and needing love, attention, and affection, but at the same time, you you wish them dead, and and I, it was just such a weird experience for me um and I used to this is <laughs> I used to pray that I was adopted <laughs> I was like I know I have a family out there somewhere <laughs> I look so much like my mother though <laughs> but I remember having so much um I used to think about like ways that I could actually kill her I mean, and, and, it, and I was really young when I used to think that because I felt like that was my only way out. But then what would I do, right? Then what would I do? Wow. You guys had some really deep thoughts about this. I only wanted to like to punch my mom and I actually did one time, right? <laughs> I remember saying things like when she would leave the room, we'd be like, right? And we'd flip her off and she'd be like, I saw you. Like, no, you didn't. It's like, how does she know this stuff? Right? So, Boo Boo, I got a question, right? As you were doing these things, right? As you're going through life and you're having these thoughts and then you get into your teenagers or even even because people like us, right? We 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 kind of grow up quick and we kind of learn quick and we're doing things a lot sooner than we should have be, right? Like for instance, I was like 13 years old taking guns to school. Like, what the fuck did I have any what was what was I doing? What was I thinking? I look at 13-year-old kids today and I'm like, these motherfuckers are goofy as fuck. Like they could barely walk. Like what was I doing with a gun, right? But what I what I, what I, what I want what I'm curious about, Boo Boo, is when you were doing these things, right? What was going through your mind and hard? How did your heart feel as you were committing these um these these acts that like we we look at today? Like fuck, I can't believe I did that. What was what were you feeling as you were doing these these so called negative things? Well, I mean, it was normal for me. That wasn't the normal way of life. I, I didn't think it was really that bad. At least, um, I wasn't really conscious of it. Um, and when it did, I did feel bad from doing certain things. I pushed it down with alcohol and yeah. other substances, mm-hmm. and I depress it, you know, and uh, which later turns into depression, you know. Right. But I, I thought that was normal, normal way of living. I was unconscious. Right. Uh, so you discon I mean, you really disassociated from your emotional experience. And I'm guessing, because this is again me projecting, <laughs> but I'm guessing um, you know, we we disconnect as a survival mechanism, right? And 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 because we didn't get love, attention, and affection in a way that is healthy. Yes. Right. And you know, trauma is the loss of self. 
right. I don't even know who I am anymore. So I'm trying to find who I am through all these different identities, you know. So you go through your life experience as unconscious and which to me, what does that look like? I mean, up until what did you say? No, was it 2009? Yeah, 2009. Was it like November? Did you say November 9th, 2009? 14th. Or was it 14th or 9th? Yeah, no, November 14th. <laughs> 14th, us, We'll get it sooner or later. <laughs> so as you move through, because, you know, you're into your adulthood at that point. Yes. Were you in as an adult still engaged with gangs or were like, what was your life like at that point? Yeah, I started having different uh, moments of clarity. Um, ah. I, and I realized like I'm, I'm alone. All my, my, a lot of my old homies or friends, they, uh, some of them grew up. Others are in prison for the rest of their lives, cage animals, and, and uh, others are dead or, or they're spun out in a garage somewhere. They're just zombies, you know. Right. Yeah. So that helped me see things a little bit more. And I remember one time I got into a fight. Uh, I fought with two dudes at the bar, and I, I love hurting people. I love fighting. I think I'm Bruce Lee, Tupac, and Boy George when I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Bruce Lee. I love that mother lover. No, but I don't have that inability to uh, – Think about consequences when I'm driven by anger, you know, driven by fear. You don't need that. The cortex part of the brain not even working, right? I'm running off that limbic system and I'm just running off emotion and I'm ready to hurt somebody. And, um, you know, I get in a fist fight with two different dudes one at a time. And I walk back into the bar and my buddy who was I grew up with, I knew him since we were newborns. I'll put it that way. And he's like, he's family to me. But he was in, he went to the military because he was struggling and went to the military and moved on, became a registered nurse, was living in Bakersfield. And he came to visit and I didn't know he was at the bar. He must have got there when I was outside. When I get in the bar, he goes, Boo Boo, is that you still fighting like we're in junior high? Wow. And, and I heard that, you know, that was like a moment of clarity for me. Just little things like that or the cops coming to look for me at my grandma's house. And she says, Boo Boo, out of all my grandchildren, you're the one that's going to kill me. And I heard that, you know, just little things like that started to wake me up little by little. Yeah. And what, so on this 14th day of November, what, what was that tipping point for you? Well, November 13th, um, like I said, I'm a violent drunk. I have a big mouth. I think I'm Tupac and Bruce Lee, you know, and I was raised to be a gang member. My dad would always say he's going to be the toughest gang member in the, in the, in the neighborhood. Or whatever, you know, and you know, I didn't know any better. That's all I knew. Uh, but uh, you know, um, that last night, I promised I was going to go back to my neighborhood to the local bars because I had people after me that could be more than happy to kill me, right? Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I go, I black out, and I and I'm at these bars again, and I open up my mouth, and a big old fight. And I was so screwed up, I was all fucked up off oxycotton's and alcohol, and I, I wasn't even at present. And I call someone out, and uh. I got beat up because uh, I was I couldn't even swing, um, but um, there was my pride. The only last thing I was holding on to on the streets was my pride. Okay. Someone got shot that night. In November 14, 2009, I woke up and I had that deep moment of clarity. I thought like Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. says, having a moment of clarity without any action is just a thought that passes in the wind. But having a moment of clarity followed by action becomes a pivotal point of our lives. And that pivotal point in my life was November 14, 2009, where I started to take action because I woke up mm -hmm. from the dream I thought. And what did you do next? My buddy found out, found out I was homeless. So he offered his apartment and he was at a, 
uh, uh, some kind of recovery program you know, himself and he found that I was homeless and he was already trying to do better and so he reached out to me and let me stay in his apartment his brother gave me the keys and I stayed in his apartment my last three months of drinking because I was homeless like I said everything that gave me that sense of self was gone right you know and um there's a saying alcohol gave me wings to fly but at the end my alcoholism took away the sky and that's what exactly what happened but then uh, he comes in, he opens that door November 14th, and he asked me some word question. Do I want to go to a 12-step meeting? And I didn't even know what that meant. Um, he had to explain that to me. Mm. And so I'm familiar with the 12-step program, um, but there might be somebody who is not familiar with what that means. So share a little bit about what 12 steps means. Well, it uh, helps you deal with your problem. There's different types of 12-step programs. There's you know, there's NA, AA, CA, OA, GA, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and uh, I had, uh, I was suffering from alcoholism. So I went to this anonymous program uh, that had 12 steps, you know, and uh, they teach you how to basically live. I walked in as a, the walking dead and I learned how to, was presented and welcomed to the land of the living. And people taught me how to live. Like the Buddha says, just like man or woman cannot live without just like a candle cannot be lit without fire, men and women can't live without a spiritual life. And I truly believe that today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have a quick question around that too. So what do you think? So being in this 12-step program, right? And having this realization, what do you think helped you be the most successful within this community in the 12-step? What, what, what was it that helped pull you through? I think pain was a touchstone to spiritual progress you know and it woke me up i was in so much pain i wanted change more than ever as dr joe Dispenza would say i was willing to cross that river of change and yeah. i was willing to do it yeah i i remember those moments too i i call it um it's like we're walk up to the fire and what happens is that the flames become so hot sometimes which is all the emotional shit that you have to kind of unpack it's the pain it's the willingness to look at it and take some responsibility for your behaviors. And so it's the willingness, once you hit that, that burning fire, those flames, you have to be willing to walk through that. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people turn away and be like, you know what, this shit's too much. I can't, I can't deal with it. And that's why they stay stuck, right? They stay unconscious, but the willingness to walk through it, um, despite it, right. Um, on the other side, you're able to kind of just move through with so much more clarity when you are then uh, presented with some of the issues that used to trigger you in in the past right yep. yeah I thought you were going to say something Mark <laughs> oh no I'm just listening it fascinates me when I listen to people's stories right I used to be a big fucking talker right like I just wanted to talk all the time when I start to listen to people nowadays people say Mark why you're so quiet you're not as talking as you used to be it's like it's because I'm really listening now. I'm yeah. being present. I know that the, the gift is in others sharing, right? And if I can be truly present and really pay attention, right? And to see what people are really saying sometimes, right? Because we talk, but sometimes it's what we don't say is what's really meaningful. So that's why I catch myself in the zone and I, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> and this is new to me too, right? Because we're learning. This is, a, this is a new dynamic. So it's like, oh, wait, hold on. We got to get a hang of this. We yeah. gotta get a hang of this threesome going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Boo Boo, what as you reflect upon your life experiences so far, 
up until now, what would you say were the most significant experiences to you that have made just a, a huge impact? I think uh, by losing everything, by losing everything helped wake me up and, you know, and uh, just really start to uh, look at the world and change my world view because I got to see that I was suffering from wrong perception. And just learning how to uh, broaden my awareness, you know, um, changed my life. Uh, that changed my life. Uh, so they call it the gift of desperation, you know. Um, and it, I think it was a, the gift of desperation that really woke me up. You know, um, one of the things when we come from trauma, we um, are in this, we're in a trauma response state, basically, right? We're in a survival state. And so we're in a constant uh, we're in a constant state of looking at how do I protect myself, and how do I get my needs met in a way that is nine times out of ten unhealthy, right? But that's the only way we know how to do that. So that shift, because for me it, it was a really significant shift when I went from looking like the world was out to get me and I had to survive to seeing the beauty in my experiences like that that's such a contrast for me and shifting to see that you know i i get to choose how i live my life i get to make some choices about creating the experiences that i want is so different than this shit happened to me right this shit happened to me and now i got a blah 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 to get what i to get what's mine you know what i'm saying like that struggle that perspective to shifting to being a co-creator. Do you, how, how did you do that? Like for, I think that's where a lot of folks struggle because we get into those patterns of beliefs that we've had our entire lifetime because they're simply patterns. That's what it is. It, uh, fused with trauma, <laughs> patterns nonetheless. So how, how did you shift that? Um, I always say spirituality is the proper use of the will or taking responsibility for your own life and actions, which basically means Jesus is not going to save me. You know, I got to, uh, what did Bob Marley say? Eman emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but your out yourself can free your mind. And I had to learn how to do that. Or the Buddha says, um, uh, be your own savior. Um, and and um, But how, how does that, how do I do that? Is by really just stop speaking victimese and take off these blame throwers off my shoulders and learn and really look at things uh, and uh, take responsibility for it. You know, and it, it was important to know that I was a victim from trauma, but I, I can't speak victimese anymore because it's only keeping me stuck. So I get to start to develop understanding and look at my resentments and why am I resentful with this person? What am I fear in fear of losing or getting, you know, and that's what the, the 12 steps taught me to do is to really uh, take a, fearless and moral inventory of myself and look at these past experiences, how it shaped my brain and how I, as a little boy, I didn't have a chance, you know, um, because the Buddha says with your thoughts, you create the world, but I have to see how the world created my thoughts, my environment, my parents, my upbringing. Okay. You're a Christian or, or you're a, this, whatever party you are, a Democrat or a Republican, or okay, you're Mexican. So you act this way. And this right. was it. And, and every, you know, an unconscious person is easily, uh, changed by the world, but an awakened individual becomes the change for the world. Right. That's the difference maker for me today. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I, I think that that um, our identities, those boxes that we fit within, yeah, tell us who we should be. 
and it's the way we are perceived in the world. So, you know, whether we're talking about gender, sexuality, um, you know, race, ethnicity, culture, all of those things, that's the, the world says, this is what you should look like, behave like, be like, and whether you're accepted or not, right? Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that, you know, I think become what shapes us. And the journey, this lifetime journey is really releasing that and coming to know the truth of who we are. And that's and, challenging. Yeah. And Mark, like, I bet you when you're a kid, we'll watch, we'll watch Hollywood movies, right? And then the only people that look like this on TV are the ones that are the bad guys being ro robbers or burglars, thugs, gang members, convicts, yes. and drug, yes. drug dealers. So what kind of message is that really giving us as Hispanic little boys, you know? Uh, True story. You know what I mean? Like we looked up to that. Like for me in my neighborhood, right? We wanted to be our cousins. We wanted to be the biggest, baddest motherfuckers out there, right? I wanted to be the biggest drug dealer, the baddest gang member, right? So I became what I thought was cool, right? And then we were portrayed on the big screen, right? And it was played in our music. We didn't think that our music, our movies were really having an effect on us, but they really were, right? And you said something totally fucking amazing that I really love to hear and I really live by this is nobody's coming to save you people <laughs> like I hope you guys got that shit because what that means is you could pray all motherfucking day but guess what you have to get into motion in order to make your dreams come true in order to make the changes in your life right because the tools will be placed in front of you if you're aware enough to notice that they're there right victim knees whoo Holy smokes, it's a whole other... I didn't realize you mother lovers were speaking a wholly different language. Victim knees. <laughs> I like that one. That's awesome, right? That's going to stick with me. So anybody out there that's listening, man, Boo Boo just dropped some gems for y'all. And I just wanted to bring y'all back to that real quick because he's totally right. Nobody could save us but us, right? We're our own saviors. We are the God we've been looking for, basically, right? Wow. Yeah. So yeah, um, our, our culture and our society has really put a, has really locked us in on our images that we should be following, right? And, and here we are able to talk about what it is now. So I got a quick question, Boo Boo, because this is really interesting to me. Because I know I, I, but before I was spiritual in my life, I had some spiritual encounters, right? So for instance, let's just say um, we talked about this in an in, in earlier podcast. If I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing, right, I would happen to leap at the right moment, right, before the cops came or before somebody walked in, I was stealing something, right? Like I had like a sixth sense at that time, but I thought I was just lucky, right? You know what I mean? Or my mom would call me up and say, mijo, what are you doing? And I'd be like, uh, nothing, mom. She'd be like, well, whatever it is you might want to stop right now. And then I would listen, right? Is there any, any encounters that you've had like that growing up while you were in the streets, while you were gang banging and you thought to yourself like, wow, I was so lucky. How did I get away with that? Right. Or how did it, how, if that was only two seconds later, like, did you ever have any encounters like that? And what do you think that was that gave you the heads up? Um, brief moment of consciousness I, I i don't know you know i mean i remember one time uh we, we were uh i heard a a talk on uh, uh on a podcast aaron Rodgers was talking about a young life group that he grew up with 
And um, I, I grew up and, you know, we were all gang members and Young Life was trying to give us these events with food and take us places like Magic Mountain and stuff. One time we went to Magic Mountain, all these gangbangers from my neighborhood, it, Young Life gave us a free ride. So we went. But on the way back, uh, we, we get off the freeway and uh, these two cars pulled up next to us from a different the neighborhood right over next the next city over and they start throwing up signs and I, I'm throwing up signs back and I'm flipping them off and they shot off the whole van. Wow. And, and one person gets shot, one one kid that uh that was sitting right next to he gets shot, not me. And it went through uh here and it went out here and not, no teeth, nothing was damaged, got very lucky. Um just a lot of different events like that happened. And do you, do you ever equate that to like how do you make sense of that to yourself? Do you like when you think about that? Yeah, I do, do you think like what Mark was kind of I think alluding to like do you think that that was just sort of there was a reason why it didn't hit you or not? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think everything ha happens for a reason, maybe, but I just it's beyond my comprehension. But I, sometimes I think, like, why ain't I a caged animal for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. Or, or why didn't I do these long stretches like my friends? And I did the same stuff. I just didn't get caught, right? And maybe because if, if I would have did these long stretches, I wouldn't have made it out of there to help someone else. And, you know, and I, I, I sit and help a lot of guys and, uh, that are suffering from addiction and living in the streets. And I try to just be helpful and try to be there for people and uh and try to study what's creating addiction in today's world or what's creating suffering. Um, and, and if I would, if things would have happened like that, then, and I, I'm not here today, then I would have probably not had that purpose in my life. So let's talk a little bit about that. You share that um, yes. you're helping others. In what ways are you helping others? And what does that look like? I just try to talk to them and, and talk to, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm a, very involved in a 12 step program. Uh, pro program and uh you know i just talk about you know addiction it, they have sponsors and sponsors and i try to sponsor men and try to take them through the 12 steps and uh, just be helpful and try to help better their lives and help promote you know peace inner peace and health versus you know illness and, and uh disconnection so when you meet somebody who is let's say they just detoxed Okay, so let's say they just detox. They have forty-eight hours in of just detoxing, right? Maybe they went to—I don't know. I I worked at a um, a treatment center in Texas, so I don't know how it works out here in Arizona. Um, but what would happen is they would do a forty-eight hour treatment or a detox, and then go into treatment. And we had a residential program that was a three-month um, and then a six-month program, and you know. Um, I don't think that there's as that level of support here in Arizona the way that there is in Texas. But I know that <clears throat> when somebody comes in right after detoxing, I mean that that's a that's a really rough moment in a person's life. And I think one of the things that at least my experience has been that there's such a negative, um, th there's just such a a negative. We come from a punitive perspective. We come from you did wrong things. You're a bad person. And I think that that becomes sort of their belief system about themselves. Um, what do you do? What would you say? How do you help um, those folks who are just starting, just starting that, that journey into wanting a different experience of life, but not sure what to do or how to, you know, move forward? First thing I do is I pray and I meditate and try to tap into that intuitive, 
ness within within all of us, right? And to to help them properly instead of using my ego and my conditioned thinking and be open and be more of a channel um, of consciousness to help this person. And I'll take them to a meeting, you know, go eat with them, talk to them, talk to them on the phone, let them know they're not alone. Because when I was um, suffering, uh, a guy gave me his card and it says you're not alone in it with this phone number. And I really just talk to them and hopefully eventually take them through the 12 steps and, and help them, uh, you know, get some kind of relief from their addiction. Mm-hmm. I believe we have a system, the system we're living in is creating addiction. Oh, yeah. And uh, in a very deep level that most people can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that you said that we're, we're in a system, right, that's creating addiction. Right. Um, growing up, this is all new to me. Like, I have no idea what a 12 step system is. I've never, you know what I mean? I've had a lot of cousins and homies and friends that were addicted. Like, and see me, I looked at addiction as somebody that was just on drugs. Right. Somebody that was just like smoking heroin, shooting heroin, fucking snorting glass, cocaine. You know what I mean? I didn't realize that addictions was and, and one, I looked at it this way too. And, and I had to look back at my life and be like, why did I believe that? I looked at people that were addicted to shit, right? Were weak, right? To me, that was like, you're just fucking weak. You, weak, you know what I mean? Now I look at it like, wait a minute, hold on. This is a condition. This was created somehow. And so my question is, what is it about the way we go about helping these, right? Like, how can we enhance the system in order to make sure we have less addictive behaviors happening, right? Because we we, we seem to think that COVID-19 was a pandemic, right? Don't get me wrong. I understand that people got, a lot of people got sick. However, I've known addiction to be an issue since I could recognize addiction was addiction was an issue. So in a sense, it's been a pandemic for most of our lives, right? We had the war on drugs that's been going on forever, never seems to be able to win, right? So what is it? How is a way we can, what it to you, boo-boo, what is a way that you think we could enhance this system of so-called addiction? I think we need to take a step back and really just observe everything, observe the system and observe the way the system's working in, in, in everybody's life, everybody's life. Cause everyone, a lot of people, most people are in survival mode. Uh, and, uh, and then um, the both parents having to work um, that's one form or, or what happens when a, a woman has a child, how long is her leave a uh, couple weeks or so? I, I don't know, uh, but they don't, parents don't have the right amount of time to spend with their children because everyone's on survival mode. So, I mean, they've done studies with uh, rats, you know, uh, the, uh, the little pups that the ones that are licked properly by the mother is less, uh, um, has less chance of being, becoming an addict versus the one that's not licked as a pup. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I, I don't believe it's a disease. Um, I think the American Medical Association labeled a disease because they want insurance money. Um, and 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 if if it's really a disease, why do I go to why do I have to go to a twelve step program? Why can't I go to the hospital? Um, and 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 uh, and but we do uh, lose the ability of choice when when you're suffering from addiction because this part of the brain's not working properly. Um, so but we lock them up and re-traumatize them again and again. We're making it worse. I need we need to find new ways to help someone that's traumatized because behind all addiction is pain. It, it, there's uh, there's that trauma. I think that's the root cause of addiction is trauma, 
in it. You know, um, you know. So addiction is an escape, an attempt to escape the human condition. It's like, um, and um, it's like if I would if say we went hiking, right? And, and um, say I went hiking, and I went when it's 110 degrees, and I'm walking up, you know, hiking up the mountain. And then when I get to the very top, I take a drink of that water. And um, and then you're at home watching, you know, TV, and then you're taking a drink with AC, and you're taking a drink of water. Well, there's going to be a different effect uh, produced by the water for someone that is suffering with a threatened homeostasis or their equilibrium is, you know, out of whack versus someone that's just at home relaxed and at peace and homeostasis, right? Um, you're gonna have, we're gonna have two different effects. And once I experience that effect, what it's doing for me, Carl Jung called it spiritus contra spiritum in Latin, spirit against spirits. You know, um, it, it does something totally different for me. It relieves me from me or the false me, the false self, you know, that I'm stuck in. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I agree with um, how we approach the system. I, you know, my, my, background is in early childhood education and in the trauma, the long-term implications of trauma in our early years. And so my work has been around understanding attachment theory and, and really nurturing and connecting with babies and young children and what it is that they need. Now, I kind of want to just throw something else in there because I'd like to know what your thoughts are about this. Um, you know, boys are given very different messages than girls mm -hmm. uh, in terms of love and affection and, you know, being sensitive, um, feeling those emotions, expressing those emotions. And I really believe with my whole heart that that the negative impact of that is um, can be lifelong for many folks who stay unconscious. And, and the healing process is very difficult because it's like, I haven't felt my emotions in so long, or I drank or I did something else to disconnect even further the moment they started to just kind of creep up within me, right? Because they're uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with that shit. So what are your feelings about that? Um, you know, about how, you know, as a society, I think in general, and I'm guessing, especially in in a situation where they're, you're in a gang, in a family where there are gang members that surround you, that even more so you're getting where you need to be tough and not show emotions. Yeah, I think masculinity is hurting young little boys more than anything else. And I don't think it's far beyond most fathers could comprehend how much damage it's creating. Like, don't cry. If you're going to cry, I'm going to give you something to cry for. And if I can't cry, what am I going to do with these emotions? You know, and I just push them down and they become those trapped emotions that create suffering later on, you know. Um, but I think, uh, you know, conscious parenting, parenting you know, we need to have more, some kind of programs to teach people to be more conscious and aware of some of their customs and beliefs that they're giving, passing on to their children or unresolved traumas by parents that they're passing away, passing down to their children and just having life skills um, in school life skill classes and stuff like that. Uh, we got to really be more aware of how we're talking to our children, you know, and most people ain't. And I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was telling my niece the other day, the best thing I could ever advice I can ever give you is, is to uh, study uh, trauma and unconscious parenting. Mm -hmm. If somebody 
would let imagine yourself, let's say, I don't know, at 10, 8, 9, 10. Do you think there is anything that anyone could have said or done to reach you, to connect with you, to help you see? Or did you have somebody who early on gave you who connected with you and helped you feel safe and secure in a different way than you had been accustomed to, because those ways are often very unhealthy and they're attached to, um, you know, it's just, it's the trauma and love is very confusing in how it's expressed to us. It's not that we weren't loved or that the people around us didn't love us. It's that they didn't have healthy ways because they were never nurtured, supported, and loved. And so they you can't give what you don't have. It's really hard um, unless you go through your own journey of healing. So what, and now I guess what I'm asking more than anything is for children that maybe somebody who listens to this, uh, who works with children, who provides, who's either a classroom teacher or a counselor, um, what would have helped you? Well, I think I always had people um, try to help me. I always had help. It was always there. I just couldn't listen because by the time I was already uh, stuck in my traumas, um, I was in so much pain. I, I put up a wall, right? I had trust issues, abandonment issues. I, I, I pushed love away anytime right. it presented itself because the person that I was, the people that I was supposed to trust and, uh, um, and a trust and uh, feel safe with uh, hurt me, you know? So I put up these walls and I didn't let anybody else in for a very long time. It created all kinds of wrong perception and patterns within me that I was all unconscious of. Yeah. yeah. How did that affect your relationships? Oh, it affected in so many ways that I, more ways than I can comprehend. Um, because like I said, I always felt you know, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous says, I always felt the least of God's creatures. So my perverse heart had to be the best at everything I did. And so that's what was me. I had to be the best. You tell me to play sports, you're picking me first. You tell me to play basketball, you're, I'm the, you're the first one picked. And, and surprisingly, it's a Mexican kid that's getting picked, right? On the court first. And then oh, you tell me to play football, I'll be the star quarterback or receiver. You tell me to play baseball, I hit a home run. Uh, um you know, except I, you tell me to fight someone, I'm going to drop the kid before, you know, I'm not going to get dropped. He's going to get dropped. And if he's big, I'll hit him with something else. But I'm not going to be the loser because I felt inferior. I felt less than. So I needed you guys to respect me. So I had to be better than put up that superiority complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about something really interesting earlier. And then you, it kind of came up again, right? Is we were never alone. Right. We were never alone. There were people there that tried to guide us, but it was the ones that we thought were supposed to be right. Our family, the ones that were supposed to love us the most. And well, and, and we know we kind of understand now why that they weren't they weren't given the proper tools in order to help nurture us the way that we needed to be nurtured. Right. And so anybody listening, right, you right now, today, if you feel alone, you are not alone. There's somebody there. There's signs there. There's people there that are willing to help listen. And they don't always come packaged as family. Sometimes they come packaged as the person that's sitting in the grocery line. Sometimes they come packaged as that friend you think is nosy as fuck. But all they're really doing is trying to get to you emotionally because they truly care. It's our guards. It's our cages that we place ourselves in that make you think, man, this is a nosy bitch over here. Every time I come over, she's always asking me, <laughs> how do I feel? How did my day go? Motherfucker, worry about your own shit. 
right? But that's our deflections, right? That, 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 that's us believing because we were hurt in the past of what our parents didn't do or what our teachers didn't do or what somebody didn't do, right? And it's, once again, we're coming back to that place of nobody's coming to save us. So on, on that, I would like to think about, okay, so if the government, right, or if our society growing up, right, they portrayed us as thugs and gangsters, right, and they, they, they made us feel like this is what we need to do by through the music they pumped in, we want to be badass, that's why we're throwing gang signs, and your bus got shot up, and your homie got shot in the fucking face, and one cheek went out the other, and then you somehow miraculously didn't get hit, right? And then to think about all the addiction that's going on in the world, right? And instead of helping these people that have traumatic experiences going on in their heads, right? We put them in a place that's just going to harden them even more, which we call prison, right? And these are private prisons, which get this, right? And if you can't see me, people, I'm doing the money sign, right? <laughs> when people go to prison, right? It's like the government makes it rain on those private prisons, right? By giving them assistance. So what I was thinking to myself is like, we are not alone. And if these people outside of us, nobody's coming to save us. Is it a good idea to say that through us having these conversations and us going to our communities and us creating the change and becoming the change we would like to see in this world, would that power be in our hands? Is that my question? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. I think uh, we all got to help uh, produce enlightenment amongst one another you know and i think that's what the buddhists teach teach a lot is uh they would do a, a gesture called buddha to be you know and uh, we they help broaden people's understanding and awareness because i don't think anything's going to change you but awareness you know aware, awareness of the ego is the beginning of enlightenment and you know when we said i had to speak stop speaking victimese i started to look at things <laughs> from an entirely different angle you know, or as Wayne Dyer says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So I had to change my perception. And, and I realized that my parents did the best they could with the tools they had. Yep. If they would have known better, they would have done better. Yeah. And, and, and I get to look at their lives. Well, what kind of secrets does my mother have? You know, they says we're as sick, sick as our secrets, right? And, and what does she go through? What are the traumas that she's, she's stuck in? Yeah. And when I can start to see that, because I've seen it in myself, I started to have more compassion. See, Jesus says, uh, love thy neighbor as the self, right? And that's exactly what people are doing. No one loves themselves anymore. So they're only loving to the capacity that they can love. But they, the love's very minimum today. You know, uh, I like what Marianne Williamson says, um, the level of, of our problem, lack of love is the level of our problem. And lack of love is the level of our solution. Mm -hmm. I have to love myself again. Mm -hmm. So if someone is listening and wanting to start this journey. Um, what are there books that you, that were important to you that books or workshops or like what helped you along this journey? I started, I don't know. I, when I woke up, it was crazy. When I was a kid, um, when I first seen Indiana Jones, uh, I felt like I lived in that environment at one time. It was weird. Like, Yes. And then when I was in China, I mean, remember back in the old days that they, uh, they would have regular TV and the box TVs and, and then yeah. uh, and then they have those Kung Fu, those. There's Kung Fu uh, uh, shows okay. on, on Saturdays and they're translated <laughs> and you can tell they're not speaking English. Right. But I would see that environment in the background. I'm like, man, I lived there at one time. It was weird. One time I had a life reading by a psychic and they, they said I was a monk in the Tibetan area. It comes a weird shit, people. 
but but the, the crazy part the crazy part is when i had my awakening in 2009 this is what i'm trying to get at is um i started going back to those teachings without even realizing it i started looking at the buddhist um indian uh, the indian uh you know uh, philosophy and religion the eastern you know teachings and, and um and I was just led. I, I felt like I was uh, a lot of the mystics came to me. I, I never say this, talk to this, tell people this, but uh, there's a guy named Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. Had no understanding who he was. I was a gang member and I wasn't raised. You know, I think we were uh, holiday Catholics. My parents were. Yeah, but I didn't know. I knew nothing about that stuff. Right. Yeah. And I felt this presence. It's the devil. Guide me. I found this cre- presence guide me. So one time I went to church early on. And as I sit in church, I heard a whisper and it was Yogananda telling me. Uh, um, they don't know what they're pre- preaching. So I went to the gift store and asked to buy a, a certain book called Conversation to a God by Neil Donald Walsh. Great book. And, uh, they, they, uh, what, what they did was they looked on the list and he says, oh, this is on the no buy list, sell list. I go, why is it on the no sell list? Because it goes against the word of God. I'm wow. Like, wow. So I started to see that and uh, I started just to study, uh, you know, yoga and, and Kriya yoga and just the mysticism and look at ancient history, not from the Rockefeller history books, but real history that you can't really um, learn at school. Yeah. The shit you have to go search for. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. that is the case. I think it's knowledge. more yeah. accessible to us now than ever before, which, um, yeah, I think is amazing because you can access that information. Um, tell me, do you, What's it like for you? Because you have, you know, you've studied now mysticism. You've kind of become more aware of those broader perspectives or those different perspectives than how you were raised. Because, you know, I too was a, I call it a buffet Catholic. And (laughs) um, so what, do you get any kind of negative um, feedback or do people think you're odd or strange or worshiping the devil or like, how do you manage? <laughs> yes. I would say a conditioned mind is usually offensive um, by an awakened mind and uh, people get offended. They get threatened, you know, even in the 12 step rooms, I, I when I studied modern science and, and spirituality, I could see that the guy who started to write the early, uh, big book and the 12 steps um he didn't know everything and it's important to know that and and i you're like an outcast um i think uh the spiritual journey it's kind of a lonely place and i don't mean that in a negative way it's just it means you don't have very much company because and that's why i was glad to find you guys because it's uh, you got to be willing to walk alone yeah. because you're going to threaten people's identities the matrix right <laughs> <laughs> Whoo! you gave me the chills bro because we don't know everything yeah. Right. And then once we figure out what we think we thought we didn't know, there's more shit that we don't know that we don't know that we don't know. Right. And I want to praise you, bro. Like for real, like if you all the things, all the quotes, everybody you've read and you're able to cite them is freaking amazing. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Every time I hear you say something and you're like, so, so, so I'm like, wow that you truly have a gift for that bro because that comes in handy like that's something like i'm good at a lot of things but remembering shit like that not one of them <laughs> so every time you say something like wow that's so fucking cool right it's like who said that's like i remember i did hear that i didn't remember who said it and then the, the way you the way you're able to relay information so eloquently and be able to articulate your thoughts bro man so many people are coming into your path are going to be blown away and i could see why it's similar to me right 
Either we're going to get one or two. People are going to be really attracted to that. Are going to be really thrown off by that. The ones that are thrown off by that, fuck them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're not here to save you. We're here to share information with you. And what you do with that information is up to you. Right? So, who? Boo-boo. Well, the Brother. Buddha says, uh, no one saves you and no one can uh, or no one may. Uh, you yourself must walk the path, but the Buddhas clearly show the way. And the Buddhas mean awakened ones, right? People that have awakened from that illusion of separateness. Yeah, and I think we do come to a point, I think in A Course of Miracles, um, or it might be A Course of Love, but one of the two, the idea to resign as your own teacher. And I think what happens is that you really begin ultimately coming to a place of um, sort of that place of surrender and um, tapping within, recognizing that all that you need is within, but you got to get rid. It's like, it's for me, it's an onion. And you have to, the outer layer is what the world, this experience that we are having right now has said you need to be, you should be, that you are. So we release that. And then it's all of the internal dialogue. It's all the patterns of behavior. It's all the things that we have um, done to survive, right? And so it's unlayering that piece by piece. And then we come to a place where we no longer um, are, I think, in the driver's seat when we recognize that the final sort of enlightenment or that step is really surrendering and allowing um, divine, the divinity that we are to step forward and to be in alignment with that, to be in truth as we behave, as we think, as we engage with others. And I think that that's the journey, at least it has been for me. What do you know for you, Boo Boo, is true? What do you know that is true for you? Love. 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 I mean, um, we hear it and it sounds kind of corny because it's echoed down the ages, but love is the is our true essence, I believe. And, and in, uh, you know, the body and the mind have two opposite effects when someone's living in love versus fear. You know, um, so I think love will heal us. Love will save us. And we start to remember who we really are, because like you said earlier, the, the layers and layers, you know, Yogananda said, God's not hard to find, but you do have to break down the self-created veil that hides him from you. And it's not even a him. I hate using the word him, but, you know, it's more like a it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's God and drag at the same time. Like Not like God Pennywise it, right? I hope not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that motherfucker's scary. <laughs> And what are you still working on? What am I working on right now? Man, just continue to be more aware of my life and these everyday patterns that I'm stuck in. And just, um, you know, right now I'm just starting to write a book. It's called Awakening Within. So that's Ooh. pretty fun. It's just, so I'm doing that. And um, I study a lot of history. I like, uh, like Adam and Eve story original in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that. It mm -hmm. comes from the Sumerian tablets. Mm -hmm. So just stuff like that. That's amazing. Mark, what are you working on? Me? Holy smokes. Well, more of the question is, what am I not working on? Right now, I'm putting together, uh, right now I'm putting together a nonprofit organization, right? How am I going to do? I have no mother-loving idea, right? But just like I had no idea I was, how I was going to get to Peru one time, this idea just popped in my head and said, wait a minute, why does it cost an arm and a leg for people to volunteer, right? And where is this money even going? 
right? And wait a minute, what if we could enhance the way those in need experience the volunteer and the sponsor, right? Like what if we could help them mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, right? Not just go over there and help them with their like sanitation or serving food or, you know, rebuilding, right? All those are really important, but what if also the volunteer could be once again, trained in the emotional, spiritual, and uh, mental, right? And then what if we could bring forward, like with the technology guys, like we're able to bring this to you and like Boo Boo's like sitting on top of the world right now. And Isela <laughs> is um, in front of a brick wall and then I'm in my bedroom, right? Like we're three of us are all in one place connected through technology, right? So back in the day, right? The sponsor would get a letter in the mail with a nice little picture of who knows whose child, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember and you that. you have to wait and you would send that. <laughs> right. But what if now we're able to bring through technology, I could bring you into the actual experience so the sponsor can see how their financial assistance is being utilized in real time. And that I believe will create a closer bond between those in need, volunteer, and the sponsor, right? Because just like anything else, these systems were created in a system that was created to suppress, in a sense, right? These same systems that created the prison systems, the same systems that were created, the educational systems, created these nonprofit organizations. And when you really look into this shit, people, like I have, some of these big nonprofits are owned or created by bigger corporations. And you could utilize your own brain right? There's a scene in Scarface where he's counting his money and he's trying to wash it for a reason to not pay taxes. Well, <laughs> you go ahead and run with that. But that's what I'm working on along with music, right? Along with creating my coaching business, right? People don't know this because I really, I used to, here's what I'm working on myself is really being confident and showing that I'm capable and willing to help others unwrap their souls and be able to do what I've been able to do at this moment because everybody is magnificent. All they got to do is remember, Boo Boo said this, remember who you are, right? And that's one big part of the reason why I'm creating this nonprofit because I want people to feel and remember who they truly are. And once we leave their presence, they no longer have to feel like a victim of their circumstance, mm -hmm. right? Whoo! <laughs> I get excited about this shit, people. Like I'm all about people helping people, right? So in a nutshell, that's what I've been working on right now. Mrs. Ella? Well, I, and I want to kind of say something about what you just shared, Mark. I think that, um, you know, if you don't know this and you're listening to this, the system that we are currently living in intentionally creates division. Oh, yes. Intentionally creates even like racial division. Mm -hmm. and there, there are systems of power that continue. And we see that with Ro Roe v. Wade that just happened right yes. now. Oh it's my gosh! The power, and we as and and I hate to use this word, but those of us who have been marginalized, right? We have this these perceptions that we believe in because the system has created um, the perceptions that we aren't enough, that we have to work hard, and if we don't accomplish certain things, we didn't work hard enough. I mean, it's all intended to keep us to keep us in our place. And so as we start to really uncover um, what is happening, then and our own experiences, our own traumas, our own pain, 
um, as we start to uncover all of that, it, we, we come to a place of realization. And I think for me, what I'm working on is living in that truth. So for me, it's about in, you know, when things happen, shit happens in our lives, right? Things get hard. And sometimes what happens when I get in these intense projects, I go all in, you know, I hyper focus. That's the way. And, and sometimes I forget to stay connected. I forget not that I don't believe that I believe that I'm doing that work, that the, the work of, you know, being in alignment, but I'm more in a passive experience than an active experience of alignment. And so for me, it's about staying um, connected, uh, remembering the truth of who I am and all that I say and all that I do and showing up that way. It's remembering, um, you know, not to be caught up in the story of my own perceptions of situations that may not be true or that may not be, you know, or even things that may be directed towards me. But, you know, how I'm receiving it and how I'm making sense of it is all my choice. Um, I'm a strong believer that no one can make me feel anything without my consent. So, you know, I'm recognizing when something does come, how am I receiving that? How am I making sense of it? And, you know, understanding what, what do I do next with that? Um, so it's staying in that constant state of awareness. And that's what I'm really working on when, when things get hard, you know, because when it's shit's easy, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when life is easy because I haven't found that yet. <laughs> I do. Like, like intensive work, like when I'm work heavy, sometimes I'm just like, I'm, I go back into like survival mode, right? I go back into it. And so I'm trying really hard to get into this place um, of remembering to stay aligned and open and conscious when I'm doing work that's intensive. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Any final thoughts, messages before we end our podcast? Boo boo. Um, no, I mean, what I, you know, what, one thing you said, you know, for me, enlightenment is thinking greater than your environment. And when we pull off those those layers, that purity of heart, blessed are the pure in heart, right? For they should see God in all things. And uh, everything starts to change for me when you start to have that self-realization. You know, I don't let people think for me anymore, politics, religion, my culture, my environment. I'm able to be somewhat of a free thinker. And when you can do that, you start to expand your to higher levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the greatest blessing or whatever you want to call it um, in my, my journey is learning how to think greater than my environment and being able and willing to walk alone. But isn't it a shame? I, I just, I feel like, isn't it a shame that we do feel like we're walking alone sometimes, you know, like that, that, yeah, it's just culturally sometimes, not sometimes culturally, it was very difficult for me to come forward even about my mediumship and my ability mm-hmm. to, you know, connect, um, bring messages in to be able to help read into people and give them some insight as to what might be happening at a deeper level. Um, that was a scary thing for me from Mm -hmm. coming out and telling people that I could do that. I mean, really because of that old conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Totally. What has stopped me from doing this podcast. You would have told me that shit beforehand. (laughs) Totally would have been like, no, he ain't doing that shit. What? You're the devil. (laughs) (laughs) not like so for for me man i'm really grateful you guys i'm grateful for this podcast and opportunity right i'm grateful that isela left her home with just one shirt on her back right 
I'm grateful for all the, the gifts that she is able to recognize now going through her childhood, right? Boo-boo, I am grateful for all the stuff that you had to go through in order to be here today, right? The throwing up gang signs, the getting drunk as fuck, because I, trust me, I know I got an alter ego. His name is Darko. When he gets <laughs> drunk, he gets mouthy too. How am I still alive? I don't fucking know, right? But I'm grateful for all that because within those experiences, within our ability to sit here today, stand in our truth of what we know as of this moment, and the doors start to open up, each and every single one of us is able to reach somebody. You had three different powerful points of views, which is all similar to the whole. So our experiences don't just belong to us. They belong to the collective. And when you realize that you are not alone and you're honing in and you're really hoarding these ideas and these emotions and these feelings, let me tell you, it's really easy to just spit it out and release the pressure, like in a pressure cooker, right? That shit boils up the minute you, but if you take the pressure cooker lid off too motherfucking fast, right? It can be super duper dangerous. So it's little by little, inch by inch, day by day, right? And through unfolding and coming to our true nature and uncovering um, who we truly are, right? Once again, remembering, and that's a whole other podcast, right? Again, a whole other topic. I always like to say to both of you, thank you for showing up. Thank you for sharing because without each and every single one of us that's on here and those that are listening are going to listen, um, this wouldn't exist, mm -hmm. right? So that's that's how I feel. Well, thank you all. I appreciate the time that you have. Um, thank you, Boo Boo, for showing up for us today. Yes, Boo Boo. He dropped some gems today, brother. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. People, you're going to have to listen to this like 500 times to take notes because this guy knows what he's feeling and what he's talking about. Well, thank Ooh. you, guys. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I uh, admire you guys. I respect you guys. Same, same. Um, I honor all of our journeys, and I think that's that's an important thing. At least it is for me. It's it's you have to honor your journey. You don't have to stay stuck in your journey and the journey that brought you to this present day, but honor the experiences you have because they served a purpose. Yeah. No, no mud, no lotus, right? That's right. No mud, no lotus. That's absolutely right. And I'm looking at um, our on our live on YouTube, and um, we don't have any questions or anyone. Um, so I'm opening it up because we do have people watching. Uh, if anybody has any questions or anything that they want to share, please do so. Yes, feel free. Don't be shy. Come say <laughs> hi, people. Ask a question. Trust me, you can ask anything, and I will answer it, right? <laughs> I will. I'm not even joking. Mom, you have a question? No, my mom's probably scared. Like, no, don't ask them no questions. Why? Because I will spill the fucking beans. I'm what you would call a snitch in my neighborhood back in the day now, right? Like, I'd be snitching on myself all the time. I wouldn't do that back then, but I ain't afraid now, people. You know what's so funny is that, like, we're on live, and um, Mark will <laughs> share some shit about his family. And I can see it on your face, Mark. Like, the moment after it comes out, you're like, I can't believe I <laughs> That. <laughs> yeah well because you know what i mean I, I primed them right i primed them let them know like hey guys right because this is <laughs> stuff that i would have kept in for a long time but now it's not to to bash or it's not to to make fun of or whatnot it's to say hey this was my reality then and this is how i overcame it 
right? Or this is what the shit I'm still working through, right? Like, like with my family, like with my dad, dad, if you're listening to this, I love you pops. Right. And that's hard to say like to his face half the time. It's really quick. Like, yeah, I love you too. Right. Um, but it's really connecting. This is something that I've been thinking about people. And I don't know if you're out there listening or somebody has to hear this today, but I was sitting in the bathtub. That's where a lot of my ideas come to me. Right. Now, synergist thing is like, wow, I don't talk to my sisters very much. Right. I don't talk to my brother very much. Yes. He motherfucking even know I had sisters. <laughs> you talk about your brother. I didn't even. I know. I know. See how see how messed up it is. But yes, I have <laughs> sisters, right? And so as I was sitting there and I was thinking about like the conversations that I do have with them, they're very far and few in between. And when we have these conversations, we have a thread. Most of the time, we're just roasting each other, right? Like mostly my dad because he's goofy as fuck, and like we just make fun of him all the time. But I think to myself, like, wow, how come we don't have conversations? How come I just don't call my sister up and be like, hey? How you doing? How's life going? Right. I'm out here really helping others is what I do. Right. I help them step into their magnificence. And I got family over here that I don't reach out to. So those are some of the shadows that I've been working through. Right. So like I said, yesterday, I thought about it. I was all brave when I was in the tub. Right. I was like, oh, I'm going to send this <laughs> message and I'm going to say this and that. I'm going to say like, you know what I mean? And I want them to know that I, I, I've been trying to work with this. Maybe they are, too. They just don't know. And they're just scared to say something because they're conditioning. Right. They might want to call me up, but they think I'm gonna be like, oh, why you, you know what I mean? But yeah. this is the things that I'm still going through today. And so that's so funny. She was like, what? You have sisters? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sisters. I don't talk about you that much. Right. <laughs> but I think that's because that when I, when I start to talk about that stuff, some resentment comes up in my life. Right. Because let's just talk about like, let's, 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 let's just air this out a little bit. <laughs> See what I'm saying? My dad had me and my brother. Right. And then growing up, I got bullied a lot by my dad and my brother and my mom was like the weed slink. Right. So my dad kind of what I thought in my mind, my dad treated my brother better. Right. And then my sisters come along and then me and my brother kind of get shoved to the side. And then he he did a better job with them. And I took that personally. Right. Right. But it, it wasn't that. All that happened was he got better at his job as a dad, right? Like he just got better and he recognized the different things. And because we were boys too, these were girls, right? So that had a lot to do with it also, right? But in my little mind, right? (laughs) I was like, you know what I mean? I I wanted to hate this guy. I didn't want to kill him, right? (laughs) (laughs) No offense to you guys, but like. I didn't want to like choke him out sometimes, right? Like he had a he has a messed up arm. I used to think, oh, he's got only one arm. I could really fuck this guy up. He's handicapped, <laughs> right? No offense, pops, but I'm just saying, like those are the types of things that are still like I think they're gone, right? But they still come up a little bit, right? And it's really wanting to call him up and have these conversations on a sober level. That's another thing. I'd be like, no, I'm not drunk right now, but I'm sending you guys this message because this is how I feel. Right. Because being drunk made it OK to have these things. And then then it's just in that moment then we don't have to talk about it no more like it never happened. And I could pretend like I forgot, but I really didn't forget. But because I have an excuse of being drunk when I said it, like I could pretend like I forgot. Right. So that's what's been going through my brain lately is with my family and especially my brothers, uh, my brother and my sisters and my dad. Right. Me and my mom, we have a great conversations. Right? We, we we've always been really close and tight. Like we, we fell off a little bit here and there. But the issue was more. I don't even want to call it an issue, but what I'm working through is more of my sister and my brother and my dad dynamic, right? I love you guys. Every single one of you, my sisters, and everybody knows in this world, I have sisters. How, how many years apart are you from your sisters? 
oh shit man um they're all over 21 now so quite a bit um i can't even think about it i'm seeing one's 22 21 oh, wow so one's 20 24 25 so a good 10 years yeah yeah you know what i mean a good 10 years and i got another sister too christina um <laughs> she's the third one she came before me she's actually the oldest right and we don't talk about her that much right <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know this is, sounds bad guys this really sounds bad but it's, it's it's the true story people it's a true story like she she wasn't really part of the the you know what i mean the equation and there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of tension in that area also right and there's also another sneaky little one that's in there and we'll bring it up at another level because that's a really another touchy subject right i'm telling you see we start finding these things out as you get older yeah. right so my family like, like i said my family dynamic as I was just sitting here the other day, I was writing out my business plan, the people I like to serve. I started getting emotional because I'm like, wow, here I am in the world wanting and helping others. Why am I able to build this relationship with those that I really love, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying I don't love the people that I work with, but these ones, like, they never did nothing wrong to me, mm-hmm. right? And they're there, and I, I don't show up for them. How do I expect them to show up for me if I'm not the one that could 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 be lead by example, if that makes sense? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes- oh, see? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think family dynamics is something that's really, um, yeah, it's something that you can spend years and years and years trying to, you know, uncover and figure out. Um, and for me, what I finally realized after many years is, you know, I show up the way I show up, you know, it's like I, you know, it, that's the only thing I can control is, you know, how I perceive things, how I make sense of it, what I offer, um, and my perceptions, because sometimes my perceptions of situations were negative, but that was old, those were old tapes. And so once I start to let go of things, I started to just notice it without judging it, you know, and that was a huge, that was a really huge thing for me. Wow. Isn't that pretty cool? Huh? Isn't that pretty cool just to be able to question your perception? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or just be aware. Yeah. Of being aware. <laughs> I always ask myself, like, where is that coming from? Like, I'll notice myself make a judgment or have a perception of something, and then I'll just stop myself and go, where is that coming from? Like, why am I, why am I looking through that lens? What is it that I'm, um, you know, what's the deeper expression or experience that I'm having here? Yeah. That's powerful. It is very, very powerful. Right. And it has been that more recently, right. Questioning myself. Cause I always been a questioner of the system. I always been a questioner of people. Why? My mom, because I fucking said so, right? My dad, because I said so. <laughs> School, because because those were just the rules, right? But then they start questioning me, myself, and the stupid shit that I do, or the stupid thought, or the or the the interesting thoughts that I have, right? It's like what, what, like Mark? No, like that's that's not how they. It's not what they said. It's not how they said it. It's like the check thing. Remember, <laughs> Isela tells a story about her husband, right? And, and and the check, and he getting upset. Where's my fucking money at? No, she's just curious. Like she wants to get paid. <laughs> like I think that I have those ideas in my brain that pop up when people ask me things or they say things or they don't say things. 
right? And I forget. And it, like, like I said, a lot of it comes around family and is questioning myself. It's really important, people, to question yourself when you're feeling upset, right? Or you're triggered by something or you're feeling down or whatever it is. Ask yourself, why? What is it about the situation or this person or why am I having these feelings? And really embrace it, right? And then let it go, right? You don't have to become the feeling, right? You could really just feel it and then let it go and see what happens. But dwelling on that shit, whoo, that's where it turned into alcoholism for me. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I said that word properly. I got a funny accent. <laughs> so <make> fun of it. <laughs> All righty, guys. I think uh, we don't have any questions or anything. So I think we can close up shop. Yeah, well, thank you guys very much for another episode of Brown and Spiritual AF. Let us know what you guys thought about this dynamic, this format of having guests. I really enjoyed having another person in here to get their view and their perspective. Me and Isabel have been talking for like 18 episodes already. So it's really nice to have other points of view come on in. So let us know. Um, you can find me on Mark underscore my underscore magnificence at Instagram, right? That's where I'm most active. Missy Seller, where can they find you? MissySellerGarcia.com is probably the best place. And I have all my handles there on my website. Yeah. And Boo Boo, where can people find you, brother? GarciaBooBoo at gmail.com. Boom, Shakalaka. And there you go. Once again, you guys have a great mother loving Sunday. And we'll see you in two weeks. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. You guys know we don't know this shit. But anyhow, just stay tuned. <laughs>